just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. I want to thank you very much for joining me. And as I've said all along, uh, your input is valuable with your questions, comments, what have you. You can go to the Anchor app, anchor.fm, and leave a voicemail message if you'd like. Or you can send me an email at uh, rationalboomer at gmail.com. And I got one this week from a gentleman by the name of Billy. And I want to thank him for taking the time. He says, hey, Mike, I'm Billy. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I love listening to your podcast and TikToks. Thank you very much. So the last podcast you just did about your mom and everything, and I wanted to share a story with you about my grandfather. I was born in Lowell, Massachusetts in 1984. My dad, my grandfather, and I all have the same first name, William. Well, my grandfather was well known in the city from being involved in the school district. He actually met JFK when he was a senator and Ronald Reagan before he was a president. He also had a chance to meet and get an autograph from Buzz Aldrin, who was the second person on the moon. He was also the godfather of Captain John Oganowski, who was the pilot of American Airlines Flight 11, which was the first plane to crash into the World Trade Center. It's really sad and unfortunate that it happened. I feel like I wish I could have done something that day, but of course none of us could. I felt so helpless and cannot believe that September 11th will be the 20th anniversary of that horrible tragedy. Thank you, uh, Billy. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you sharing your your story with us. And and I think that makes an interesting point, a point I've always had. People say, oh, you can tell a good story. You have a lot of stories. Well, the fact of the matter is all of us have a lot of stories. It's just a matter of being able to acknowledge those important stories, have the willingness to speak those stories, and and perpetuate them because they're important. All those things that Billy laid out in that story are intriguing and compelling and important to his history. And it's important for him to tell those stories as it is for you to tell your stories. So if you do have stories that you want to get out there and maybe afraid to speak up on your own, feel free to send them to me. I love telling stories, but I love hearing good stories too. So thank you, Billy. I appreciate you taking the time to send me a note. And I encourage anybody else to do the same, whether it be a voicemail on anchor.fm or by sending me an email at rationalboomer.com at gmail.com. Well, today we've got a lot of things going on, important things, and I think probably the most important is the fact that the Republicans have just stripped Liz Cheney of all her leadership power in the House of Representatives. Now, let me preface this by saying Liz Cheney is an ultra-conservative. At no time, under no circumstances, would I ever vote for Liz Cheney. She's just not my kind of politician. She doesn't believe the kind of things I believe. In fact, I think she's more with the establishment, the trickle-down theory, and all that shit. So I would never vote for her. But I can respect somebody who has strength and integrity, somebody who stands up for what they believe in and fights it till the bitter end. Because I'll be honest with you, there are not many politicians that will do that on either the Democratic or the Republican side. We're seeing it 
very much so on the Republican side as people are siding with Trump and these crazy concepts and ideas. But Liz Cheney stands out here because she's one of the few that said, no, this is bullshit. I'm not going along with it. It's not right. It may not be popular, but it's not right. So I wanted to talk about Liz Cheney a little bit. And I think uh, what people are missing on the Republican side is that Liz Cheney's very smart. She's very savvy. Now, she's not been in the House an incredibly long time, but she comes from a family uh, that is steeped in history in government in the United States. Of course, her father was um, Dick Cheney. Now, Dick Cheney was a vice president in the United States under George W. Bush. He was also the Secretary of Defense under George H.W. Bush. He was a senator. He was a representative. He did a lot of stuff. Now, the thing about Dick Cheney was, especially when he was vice president under George W. Bush, people looked at him as the Antichrist. He was mean. He was vicious. He was a warmonger. And I don't think any of those things are a stretch. He was all of those things. He was tough. He was mean. He was vicious. I mean, remember the WMDs that weren't there? Yeah, he was behind that. He was looking for war, and he'd be willing to lie to get to that war. And they did. Now, we're not here to question whether Dick Cheney was legitimate or evil or anything like that. But you have to understand, that's where Liz Cheney comes from. So Liz Cheney doesn't just roll over and die when she gets this kind of pressure. She's smarter than that, and she's tougher than that. First of all, she knows that at some point, at some point in the next couple of years, this whole conspiracy theory, Donald Trump insurrection attitude is going to come crashing down. And everybody that followed it is going to crash down around them. And when that happens, she and a few other people are going to be left standing to pick up the pieces. It's going to destroy the Republican Party, but at least she still has her integrity and can still go on. People like Matt Gates and Jim Jordan, they're going to be done. They're not going to be able to do anything. They are going to be out of the political business, which is good. So Liz Cheney is making a calculated a calculated guess on how this is going to play out. And I think she's on to something here. Now, the Republicans made a big mistake with Liz Cheney because when they decided to take her power away from her, this was a turning point, an important moment in the Republican Party. Because as soon as they took her power away for simply standing by the truth, they identified their political party as the party of Trump, as the party of insurrection, uh, conspiracy theories, lies, and violence, as, the, as a party of the big lie that we know, in fact, is true. So now that they identified themselves as such, they're stuck. Because over the next couple of years, there's going to be all kinds of investigations, indictments, things are going to come to light, and the choice they made is going to be exposed for being as horrible as it truly is. But they're not thinking about tomorrow or the next day or a week from now. They're thinking about right now. I want my shit right now. I want my power right now. And that is going to be a huge mistake for them. Because, as I say, when it comes crashing down, 
all these clowns, while they will try to separate themselves from it, they're so entrenched right now that they will not be able to separate themselves from it. And then their careers will be done, and rightfully so. Now, there's a, uh, a report that there's a, more than 100 Republicans, some of them former elected officials, that are drafting a letter to go to the Republican Party to, uh, this week some point. And they are threatening to start a third party if there aren't some changes in the Republican Party. Now, we know the people who control the Republican Party now, they're arrogant. They don't think past the end of their nose. So they're not going to change anything. So what does that leave? That leaves a third party. Maybe a party that Liz Cheney will lead. She seems like the obvious choice because she paid the most um, paid the most for her position, and she's held the strongest. And throughout the country, whether you like Liz Cheney or not, everybody believes she's being honest, except for those people that are the crazy nut conspiracy theorists. So she will probably lead another party, and it will be troublesome, not only for them, but for the Trumplicans. Because, see, you know, what they did was split apart the Republican Party. And when you split apart the Republican Party, you have a problem. Fact of the matter is the Republican Party already has problems. They have fewer voters than the Democrats. And this is why they're trying to do the gerrymandering and trying to play with all the suppressing of votes, with all these laws being passed in the different states. You see, they understand they can't win just flat out, so somehow they have to cheat. They have to game the system so that they still have a chance to win. They've said as much. But now, they've taken it a step further. And this is something they just can't game. They've decided to take a stance for the conspiracy theories and the insurrectionists and the lies. And they're going to be off by themselves. But when you look at the Trumplican base we're talking maybe a third or 30%. Now, nobody's math is that powerful. Nobody is going to win shit with 30% of the population. Where they lucked out was the Republicans who were normal and on the good side said, well, that's Republican. I got to vote that way. Dad always voted for Republicans, and I'm voting Republicans regardless of what crazy shit they're doing. Well, now they've created a separation, the crazies from the relatively normal. Now, understand, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but some of these hardcore conservative Republicans trouble me because they stick to this trickle-down theory, give the rich the money, take the money from the middle class. So I'm not any more fond of them than I am the crazy people. The difference is the crazy people are trying to destroy the country. The normal people are just trying to push along their fucked up agenda. <laughs> Doesn't sound like there's much difference there, but in fact there is. I'd rather have to compete with those people who just have a weird agenda as those people that are dead set on destroying democracy and this country. So now you separate these people, and now the margin between Democrats and these two parties is problematic. Because neither of these two parties separately can even come close to the Democrats. As I said, together, they have trouble beating the Democrats because they don't have enough voters. But you separate them, make them into two different parties. Now you got a problem. 
Now you got a big problem because you're going to get so many people going with the normal people, a bunch of people going with the crazy people, and the Democrats are going to get all their people. So that means they're going to win every race handily, if that's what happens. Now, if the Republicans are smart, they try to figure out a way to bring everybody together again and can maintain whatever power they have left. But the problem with that is, is those crazy folks are so mentally off, so ingrained in that cult attitude, that they're not going to come to reason. They're not going to think logically. They're these conspiracy theorists, so they're going to stick with what they're doing until they fall off the cliff, and they will fall off the cliff. But the other people just can't abide by being part of that group. So it's inevitable that there's going to be a split. And when there's a split, as I said, that weakens all of the Republican Party, whether they be the normal side or the crazy side, and strengthens the Democrats. How they don't see that, I don't know. But more importantly, while that's all going on and playing out, you got Liz Cheney. Now, the House of Representatives had leverage over Liz Cheney. You do this, and we'll take away your power. You do that, we'll take away your power. That's leverage that they had over Liz Cheney. And they needed leverage over Liz Cheney because Liz Cheney was speaking out against everything they believe. The problem with leverage is it's only strong, it's only powerful up until the moment you deploy that leverage. Here's what I mean. They say, we're going to strip you of all your, your, your uh, power in leadership in the House if you don't change your mind and go along with the big lie. She says, fuck that. I'm not doing it. It's not right. It's not true. I have some integrity. So they strip her of her power. Well, now what? They've just blown their wad. They've gotten rid of all their leverage. They got nothing left. They can't do anything more to her other than expel her from Congress, and that's a much harder, more serious deal. But even if they did that, now they'd make her a martyr and make her stronger yet. But in the process of losing their power, they've handed the power over to Liz Cheney. And the problem with that is it goes back to she's smart, she has integrity, she's loud and proud, she's not scared of anybody, and the family she comes from is scary and vicious and smart and has a history in politics. She may not have been in the House very long, but uh, she comes from a family that knows a lot of shit about politics and how the Republican Party and how the system works. You don't think she's just going to sit back and take it and act like a whipped puppy. No, she's not. Just look at her. She's the kind of woman that will tear your head off if you cross her, just like Dad. Now, she's allowed them to take away this power, didn't even put up a fight, which makes you have to wonder about that, too. Why wouldn't she put up a fight if she's such a fighter? Well, she's thinking down the road. She's thinking about how this plays out for her. She's making plans of what she's going to do to benefit her and hopefully the Republican Party. But these people on the Trumplican side, like I say, they don't think past the end of their nose. They think about now, how do I get my power now? How do I get my money now? And people that think like that always get burnt to the ground.
And unfortunately for those crazy Republicans or Trumplicans, Liz Cheney has a book of matches, and she's going to burn their shit to the ground. I said when Donald Trump took office that he'd probably destroy the Republican Party. Now, I had no way of knowing really what it was. I was just spewing stuff because I thought he's so contrary to what goes on in the Republican Party that he would certainly damage it. I had no idea how prophetic I would be, uh, given that he, in fact, has now officially destroyed the Republican Party. And I'm not sad to see it. Not sad at all. As I said, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. The only problem I foresee is that the Republicans destroy themselves so much that they aren't a factor, and now we're a one-party system, and that doesn't work with democracy. And I'll be honest with you, I don't trust Democrats to handle ultimate power because I know their history, too. So we're in kind of a tight situation as a country. The Republicans are done. The Democrats are going to be strong. But we still have to be concerned. We still have to be on our game. And we still have to be focused. And we can't be afraid to slap down the Democrats if they misuse the power that they get. Just keep that in mind. The power should be with us. Not the Democratic Party. Not the Republican Party. It should be with the people. And it should be bipartisan. The people should get what they want. I mean, like this infrastructure bill. It's a very excellent illustration. Now, Joe Biden wants this to be a bipartisan bill, but he needs Republican senators to vote for it. We know that Mitch McConnell said, that's never going to happen. We're just not going to do it. We just soon do nothing like we've done for 12 years, blocking every possible thing that could go through. Do absolutely nothing for the people who elected us and the people who pay our salaries. Do nothing for them as opposed to bend to the Democrats. And that's a problem. Unfortunately, if you look at true bipartisanism, you don't look at the Senate. You don't look at the House. You look at the country as a whole. We got 63% of the people giving Joe Biden a positive rating. We've got 73% of the country. Now, this is Democrats and Republicans that give Biden positive response on his handling of the vaccines. Now, that's certainly bipartisan. We've got like 58% of the people that want to see the infrastructure bill. Again, that's not just Democrats. That's also Republicans. So that, in fact, is bipartisan. Yet the Senate and the House even refuse to represent their people properly. How long is that going to last? Doing nothing for the people you represent at some point is going to piss them off because it's going to put them in dire straits. And that's going to cause problems with people wanting to get reelected. So Joe can talk about bipartisanism. Republicans can complain that it's not bipartisan because no uh, Republican senator voted for it. But the problem is the people in the Senate don't identify bipartisanism. That's the people in this country, the people who should have the true power and the true control over what happens with this country. So the Republicans have all kinds of problems, from Liz Cheney to not representing their people in uh, in Congress and in the Senate, 
Donald Trump, for all intents and purposes, did destroy the Republican Party. They are done. And even if they decide to try to repair it and come back together, it's going to take a long time. And the things that are going to come out over the next two years about things that the Republicans covered up or did or crimes that they committed is going to make it even worse for the Republican Party. We're going to have to see how this plays out because it's, it's a turning point in this country. It's going to change a lot of things. It may even change our entire system. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Now, if you have some thoughts or questions or comments about this particular topic, please don't forget, go to Anchor FM and leave a voicemail message or send me a note at rationalboomer, rationalboomer at gmail.com. I'm looking there all the time. If you have questions like Billy did earlier or a comment, I'd like to incorporate it in the show and make you part of the show because I think you're just as important as me or anybody when it comes to the Rational Boomer podcast. I also wanted to talk about uh, this oversight hearing that's going on in uh, on, at the Capitol. It's the January 6th insurrection oversight hearing, and it's regarding the response of the Capitol Police, DOJ, National Guard. It's all about who knew what, when, why they did what they did, and why they didn't do what they didn't do. These are all important questions because that insurrection was a shit show in as far as uh, police activity. There was not. Either there wasn't enough or they were part of the problem. That's what they're trying to find out. I found it very interesting when I saw Arizona Representative Paul Gosar questioning Chris Miller. Now, Chris Miller was the chief of the Pentagon on January 6th. Interesting, Chris Miller came out and said that he believed that Donald Trump encouraged this insurrection and all the damage and uh, deaths and all the injuries that were incurred by this insurrection. That's a pretty important point. Now, this is a man who was running the Pentagon as he was working under the Trump administration. He was there that day. He was dealing with that situation. And he says categorically that Donald Trump was responsible for encouraging this incitement. That says a lot. Now, there's a lot of investigations and lawsuits and that sort of thing. That's going to be all part and parcel to these things. And I know you're impatient and want it to happen tomorrow. But these things are all going to come down. This insurrection was a a critical moment in our history, and it needs to be addressed, and people need to be accountable. Otherwise, we're going to suffer something like that again. So this statement by Chris Miller is going to have a serious impact on how the rest of those things play out, how Donald Trump is held accountable, how other Republicans are held accountable. Again, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It will take time, but ultimately, all these people will pay a price. And thanks to Chris Miller, in spite of what he may or may, may not have done during that day, owning up to the fact that, in his opinion, Donald Trump was culpable. But in this, uh, in this questioning, Paul Gozar, I've always been troubled by Paul Gozar. I mean, look at this guy. He's a Republican representative from Arizona, you know, the same place that's got this crazy fucking audit going on. What are you doing in Arizona? 
Anyway, Paul Gozar is part of the insurrection team, you know, with Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, all these fucking clowns. Now, he's as crazy as any of these other people. He's as hypocritical and criminal as all these other people. But I saw something else when I saw him interviewing Chris Miller, and it was troubling to me. He was acting really weird, and I don't know if it's weird for him or just that's how he is or what the hell's going on. But I watched him as he was talking. His eyes were closed. His head was swaying back and forth and front to back. He was talking in kind of a sing-songy voice. And he had this look on his face like he was just on the verge of rage. And as I saw it, I said to myself, there's something off with this guy. This guy appears to be mentally ill. You throw in the fact that nobody in his family likes him. In fact, all of them fought against him getting elected. Every one of his family. So what's that tell you? Nobody in his family likes you. In fact, they fought to keep you out of Congress. You're part of an insurrectionist group. You're lying. What kind of human are you? Well, you don't seem to be a healthy human, at least mentally healthy human. And that's a problem if this unhealthy human, this mentally off human, is representing Americans in Congress. You can see how that might be problematic, don't you? Well, it was funny because he was throwing all kinds of questions out there. He was trying to get these gotcha questions. Like he said to Chris Miller, he said, uh, so all the people who were arrested, how many guns were confiscated? How many firearms were confiscated. Now, for whatever reason, Chris Miller didn't answer the question. And I don't know. I, my guess is they probably didn't confiscate many, if any, at all. Now, Paul Gozar would make you believe, see, it wasn't an insurrection. Yeah, but Paul, you're, you're forgetting that there were flagpoles and pipes and hockey sticks and bear spray. Not all weapons have to be firearms. And just because they're not firearms doesn't mean it was an insurrection. Doesn't mean that people weren't attacked, injured, and killed. See, they're trying to make that delineation between, well, they didn't have guns, so it's not an insurrection. Bullshit, Paul. That doesn't work. That's a lame argument, and you're going to be taken down for trying to use it. There were all kinds of weapons. We watch cops being beaten with flags. I don't care if it's a flag. If you're getting beaten with it, that is a fucking weapon. If you're taking bear spray and spraying it in people's faces, that is a weapon. If you steal the shields from police departments and start using them to hit police with or break windows, that is a weapon. So Paul Gozar, you have no point. Your, 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 your question has no merit. And that's how these people think. And this is how these people act. Now, Paul, Paul asked another question that I thought was really hypocritical in his answer. He was talking about Ashley Babbitt. Now, you remember Ashley Babbitt. She is the young woman, one of the insurrectionists, that crashed into the U.S. Capitol and as she broke the window, she was shot and killed by Capitol Police. Now, the insurrectionists, people like Paul Gosar, say that was a tragedy. She was a hero. 
And then he asked his next gotcha question. He said, was Ashley Babbitt armed? Well, Chris Miller didn't answer because it was part of the investigation, all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, we know that Ashley Babbitt was not armed with a gun. We know that for a fact. But again, what Paul Gozar fails to mention was he was part of an insurrection. They were trying to overturn our government. They were threatening to kill the vice president and the speaker of the house. They were literally breaking into the building with shields and pipes and sticks. They were breaking into the building. They were unlawfully entering that building. And yes, she got shot. But he has a problem with it because she didn't have a gun. Well, that's a poor, lame, and stupid excuse. And let me illustrate why it's stupid. Now, with Paul Gozar as a Republican or Trumplican, he's no doubt a big, big supporter of the Second Amendment. We all must have guns. We can have as many guns as we want. Now, Paul Gozar is one of these people that would say, we can have AR-15s. It's our right in the Second Amendment to have as many guns as we want, any kind of guns we want, even though that's not what it says, but that's how they interpret it. So Paul Gozar is probably one of these people that would, in fact, have an AR-15. And if you asked him, why did he have an AR-15? What possible use could you have for an AR-15? And he would tell you, to protect my home when the mad hordes come to my door. Okay, so you need an AR-15 to protect your home should people come crashing into your home. That's an interesting point. So I I would suggest this scenario. Okay, Paulie, you got a random guy or a random group of people. Let's call it a group of people. They come crashing through the window of your home. They're threatening to kill you and your family. But strangely enough, they're not armed. They have no guns. Now, as this person is crashing into your home, do you think to yourself, you know, they aren't armed, so I'll just leave the AR-15 on the shelf. Or do you go run, grab the AR-15, and start fucking shooting? I suggest the latter, because that's the mentality of you folks. So if, in fact, you can do that to protect your home, even if that man happens to be unarmed, it makes sense that if you've got somebody crashing into the U.S. Capitol, trespassing, threatening death to the leaders of that building, that you deserve to be shot. Anybody trying to make Ashley Babbitt out to a hero, you're fucking crazy because she's an insurrectionist. She's a treasonist. She's a traitor to this country. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm just surprised more people weren't shot. And I'd have to wonder if more people had been shot for trying to take over this government if it wouldn't have been neutralized much quicker. You got people coming in the building by the tens. If you shot them all down in, and justifiably so, wouldn't this make people think twice to keep coming? Because these people clearly have a problem with consequences, as we see many of them now getting arrested and crying on TV, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. They're the typical bullies. 
They're going to try to roll over the top of you, and as long as they can, they will keep rolling over the top of you. The moment you stand up, punch them in the mouth, shoot them in the neck, whatever it is, then all of a sudden they go running. So on that day of the insurrection, instead of just Ashley Babbitt getting shot, if the people that were in a position to be justifiably shot, as Paul Gozar would suggest when they are in his house, why not shoot everybody that was in the house? That might quell the fervor. That might shut them down. These people can complain about what they want, about how they were treated. But at that moment in time, they were criminals, they were treasonous, they were traitors, and they were dangerous to this country. They should not be surprised if one or a hundred of them got shot because they were asking for it. Now, I don't believe people should get shot, but if you're trying to hurt my family or if you're trying to overturn my government and I have a gun, you bet your fucking ass I'm going to shoot you. And I'm not a Republican Second Amendment freak. I'm all about protection. And I'm not a um, bleeding heart liberal either that says, oh, I'll just hug him. No, because if you infringe on me, if you threaten me or my government, I'm not going to stand there and take it. I'm going to slap you back because I understand who you are. You're a bully and you need to be slapped back in order to be neutralized. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this oversight hearing. I never understood how oversight hearings do anything. No one's convicted after an oversight hearing. Very rarely is anything done. All it does is it exposes to the public what, in fact, is going on. So in that sense, I guess it's good. But there are all kinds of legal ramifications for these insurrectionists. There's a lot of indictments. There's a lot of lawsuits. There's a lot of things going down. And trust me, Donald Trump is in the thick of it. And you can bet the likes of Paul Gozar, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Lauren Boebert, and these others that helped with this insurrection are going to pay a price too. It's going to be an interesting next six months because there's going to be a lot of things going down. Don't be discouraged. Don't be angry. Don't whine about it. It's not happening fast enough. It happens, has to happen the way it happens. And if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right so it sticks. So just be patient. Be confident that justice will be done. Anyhow, I got to go. Not to the bath. Well, I do have to go to the bathroom, but I got to go, go, you know, end the show. You can see me on TikTok, of course, all the time. I do some stuff on Instagram and on YouTube. Not so much on YouTube anymore. I'm getting tired of that. They're, they're kind of a pain, but I usually run my TikToks on Instagram if you prefer that location. And I want you to let other folks know about the Rational Boomer podcast. We want to get as many people as we can as part of this group. Give us a little power. Give us a little bit of a voice. I thank you for listening and uh, keep an eye out because we've always got more coming. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.